Welcome to Dr. Thoughts, a smart, driven, and fabulous podcast by Drs. Ryan LaValle and Kalia Johnson, where sometimes it's about occupation and sometimes it's just sassy. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dr. Thoughts. It's everybody's favorite auntie, Dr. Kalia Johnson, back with my partner in scholarship, who's everybody's favorite flannel top wearing professor, maybe? <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Dr. Tacos. Dr. Ryan. <laughs> Tacos and flannel, that's my fashion. <laughs> uh, Dr. Ryan LaValle. And today, y'all, we are joined with the fabulous Mecca Williams, who was voted the 2018 most stylish Richmonder, and I can co-sign that 1,000 times over. She is amazing in her work, amazingly beautiful, and y'all need to take notes on that. Follow her on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, welcome, 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 Mecca. Um, on Dr. Thoughts, so we we have a tradition, um, like you heard in my intro, that I'm everybody's favorite auntie. I always um, give Ryan a favorite title, um, and we ask our guests to do the same. So what what would you say you are everybody's favorite what? I don't, uh, everybody's favorite. Fashionista. I, okay, fashionista. <laughs> See, this is where I'm all weird when it comes to like talking about myself in that way. So when I'm everybody, something, something. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. that. Oh, you're welcome. Well, another thing just came to mind. You're everybody's favorite dose of black girl magic. That's out, and yeah. that's, that's unreal. <laughs> girl, I can give that dose a sprinkle of black girl magic. Yes. 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 <laughs> I love mirror. it. I'm your favorite mirror. Ooh, Ooh, I like, I like it. Yes, yes, yes. She just needed a second to process and give us mm-hmm. that gem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us this evening. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about um, who you are, what you do, and all the fun things that you enjoy? Oh, okay. So, who am I? I am Mecca Williams. I'm a licensed professional counselor. And I'm a mental health practitioner. Usually I would just say I'm a mental health therapist, but I do much more than just therapy in the mental health field. And I've been in this field for going on 20 years, a long time. Um, What else do I need to talk about as far as what I do? Mm, Oh, I also, on the side, I throw events, uh, parties, that is, just to lively up our city of Richmond, because I live in Richmond, Virginia. I also, um, I have a, a project called Style Effect, where it, the whole point of it is the intersection of fashion, style, and mental health. And we're using mental health, well, fashion and style as a medium to educate Black people, Black and brown people about mental health issues. So those are some of the things that I do. What else do y'all want to know? You you want you want to you want to throw a shout out to Styles RVA? What'd you say? I said you want to give a, a shout out or honorable mention to Styles RVA. Um, who is Styles RVA? Who was that? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, the um, shout hi- highlighting um stylish people in Richmond. The, the oh, Instagram account. Oh, I'm so sorry, Kalia. Oh, <laughs> Styling Spirits. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, silence. Okay. Well, that, okay. Okay, that's my, that's my fault. Okay, that's my so, fault. I forgot part of the name. No, that's my fault too. Cause I was like, what are you talking about? So silence <laughs> is, is a venture and a business that I had with my partner, Dom, and we were highlighting stylish people in the city of Richmond. And when Kalia lived in Richmond, she was definitely one of the highlights there. But we <laughs> haven't been running that in the past few years. That's why I was like, huh, what are you talking about? Oh. That's what happens. So we also used to throw, we used to throw style theme events and parties. Yes. Oh, yeah. I hope y'all bring that back. <laughs> I, I actually was thinking about it recently. I haven't had any discussion with Dom. I don't know because that's it's a lot of work, but I have been thinking about maybe we can do, through, throw like a pop-up something every now and again. It's needed. Yeah. 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 yeah so shout out to Style and Spirit. We're yes. not currently operating right now. However, maybe one day. Okay. Uh, a, a different iteration for a new day. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Cool, cool. Well, that um, one of the ways that um, one of several ways, really, I um, was introduced to Mecca and got to know her was through the the fashion scene um, in Richmond. And um, no, Kalia, we met in D.C. Remember? Oh, you know what? That's right. We were already following. We were following each other on Instagram, but hadn't actually met. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness that's right I remember I, we I, met at a fashion event in dc yes yes that whole event was really interesting right like i had fun but like when people ask me what i did for a living and but because it's not directly tied to fashion Ooh. it was almost like what are you doing here <laughs> it was that's what yeah. made it weird right that's a whole other conversation i don't think right. we ever talked about our feelings about that event either no 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 we didn't we did it was a different scene because it was dc so it was more so like they the way i guess they're like the movers and shakers of that dc scene and that's mm-hmm. what they do they're used to just like getting dressed and coming out they were the influencers yeah yeah. And so and God was, forbid you approach somebody and didn't know who they were either. That was real off-putting to me. Like, oh, you don't know who I am? Like, am I supposed to know who you are? Like, you're not Michelle <laughs> Obama now. <laughs> exactly. And so it's people that I would see, like I went up to and say, hey, I follow you on Instagram. And that attitude was kind of like, hmm. Yeah. It was, it was bizarre. It was, it was fun to see the sites. I like the panel. Mm-hmm. I like the setup. But yeah, it was, it was different. Yeah. Yeah, I want to say pretentious. Well, I just did, but um, yeah, it was was bizarre. All right, y'all just jump straight into the kiki. Let's talk about our topic. Yes, look, thank thank, thank you, Dr. LaValley, for that in DC. Yes, yes. I guess we were on the search for a a fashion scene. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, this episode's topic is all about fashion and also maybe connecting it to mental health, but also just fashion in the world and how we use it and I have been accused of not having any fashion so I'm really excited to learn some tips and tricks from you all. <laughs> Do you really wear flannel? Do you really wear flannel shirts? I absolutely wear flannel but the moment that I knew that I was not the typical was when a student came up to me and said I know that you're down to earth because you teach in chacos. And so <laughs> so no I I'm not a fashionista by any means um love me a used shirt love like just being natural I hardly ever buy clothes um you know my partner tends to be a little bit more fashionable than me and if he gets rid of some clothes I'll take them (laughs) 
um, but you know, it's also just sort of figuring out who I am and, and what I want on my body in some ways. Um, and I, I think as a student, I didn't have a lot of money to spend on, you know, clothes that I wanted or anything like that, but it's just not been something I've really dove into very much in, in my life. Um, but it's around me. Um, I've thought about it a lot actually through drag um, and, and working with drag queens and that sort of thing and thinking about, you know, the shape of, of bodies and how that all fits into clothes. But no, I have, I have never been accused of being a fashion queen by any means. <laughs> I mean, well, flannel shirts, that's a, a thing and that's a style. You have some apparent, that's your style. Yeah. Part of your personal style, right? <laughs> it's a part of you, you, you know, yeah. and that's your that's your thing. I like a film. Yeah, so I'm I'm interested. You we we are saying fashion and style. What's the difference between those two things if there is one? So I would say fashion is basically more so like what is being designed, the trend. Style is how you take the fashion and wear it. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how I would describe it. Some people say it's, it's one and the same. Sometimes it feels like it's one and the same, but I definitely would say there is a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, the brand, the trend, the design, and, and the style is really how we take it and wear it. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. You know, fashion is, it's like what you said, it's it's the the trend and what's what's current, like what's, what is it that is representing the culture at the time, mm-hmm. right? And then applying that and expressing it in your own way is style, because um, style is it's personal style. Um, and and yeah, so it's, it's all in how, how you put Kalia's touch on it or Mecca's touch mm-hmm. on it. I mean, and of course it's these, the style is still something that's sort of influenced by what's on runway um but but all of us ain't got runway money so <laughs> or, is runway, or is runway influenced by the street right yes mm. and thank you for saying that yes how how the culture in and of itself influences fashion right yeah. monetizes fashion monetizes the culture really yep. yeah um shout out to gucci who does that a lot <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All of them, really, though. Yeah, but I think as far as like, when we think about urban street fashion, I think Gucci has been all over that, probably in the lead of doing that here recently. Like, a lot of the brands, <clears throat> like, you know, streetwear is a thing now, but when I talk about, like, how the streets dictate sometimes what the, what's on the runway, it was, in my era, like, I grew up in the 90s, the things that my, me and my friends wore, it was considered, you would say, like black girl ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe bamboo mm-hmm. earrings or our pants baggy or tighter or crop, whatever was going on within our my community, it was considered ghetto. They, even down to hairstyles. But then, okay, fast forward 10, 20 years later, guess who's imitating? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the celebrities, they want to look like that. They're taking styles from the streets from years ago and imitating it now on the runway and yeah. in celebrity world in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Down to the accessories and even wearing box braids. You know, yeah. like what, what does Kim Kardashian know about box braids? <laughs> box braids, yeah. do rags. Yes, do rags. No, no, no. Yeah, take that off when you go in, like that type of thing. Mm hmm. So mm-hmm. now that's in fashion. They're using it, utilizing it in, in the houses and on the runways now as a part of the scene. Yeah. 
Yeah. I want to go back to something um, that Ryan actually mentioned in terms of like students noticing what you wear. And I think for me, I, I don't know, like I, I, my parents dressed every single day. Like my dad was associate superintendent of our school system. My mom was a teacher. So they believed in like getting dressed, like looking the part every day. Right. So I um, sort of grew up emulating that um, and did the same as a student and then as a professional um, and probably didn't pay a lot of attention to, um, I guess, the the vibe I gave off about that until students and other professors commented on my dress um, and how sometimes I actually sort of elevated <laughs> what other people wore because I was dressed. And I, I just felt like, oh, I'm just putting on clothes um, and making sure that I present myself in whatever way was seen respectable as a black woman in, in predominantly white spaces. But it's interesting how fashion sort of became um, the, the tool for me to sort of navigate between being a student, um, and being faculty, but then being a faculty and still being in touch with students, um, because I, I would use that almost as, as a code switch, right? Ooh. Sort of like what, what professors wear with each other versus how I present myself in stu- in front of students versus what I wear at conferences, you know, um, sort of using, using fashion in, as a tool in that way. Um, this sounds like you're really intentional about what to wear around whatever the setting is. That's what mm-hmm. I'm hearing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever think about, is it a lot of work or do you ever think about merging it sometimes or? Um, I guess I never really thought about it as work because um, I think it's still, whatever I wore still was a reflection of who I was as a person. It's just, I may wear you know, more muted colors in a conference setting um, and might actually wear short sleeves with students and they can see my tattoos sort of thing. Like previously, like after I finished my sleeve, like I, any professional, and y'all can't see this, I'm using air quotes, but, you know, talking about professional, it's professional, um, it's part of this conversation too. But, you know, in certain spaces, I would wear a blazer or a long sleeve button up shirt. So it wasn't showing. Um, and I kind of got over that. I'm just like, you know, talk about showing up authentically, right? Like I am tattooed. I have natural hair. I like red lipstick. Y'all about to get all of this. Um, so, (laughs) so now it's more so, you know, how do I just have fun with what I like to wear? And, and, and then it, it really became more of a conversation with, especially our faculty, um, even, I mean, I had a colleague say it to me. She's like, I just like to, to see what you're going to wear every day. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I don't know, I guess it, in some way it was affirmation for me to just be yourself, oh, you know, That's the yeah. people resonate with authentic, authenticity, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, uh, the driving force behind my style is me showing up as I want to. Of course, there's a, a appropriate, like I'm not gonna wear short shorts to work. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. do things like that. But other than that, me wearing bright colors, me like on the days that we can wear sneakers because that dress code is a whole other thing that I, I, oh, I, hate, I hate a dress code. But wearing sneakers, because like, I'm a sneaker person, I would wear them every day, but on the days that I can wear them, doing things like that, showing up as I am. So my setting is I work at a, a addiction rehab facility. 
and we service, we provide services to majority white clients and majority of my coworkers are white. So mm. give you the, so yeah. I show up like me, like I, as I am every day, it's empowering to a lot of the clients. They commented on it all the time. Some mm. of my coworkers, they, if I'm wearing black, it's like, why are you wearing black? We, we <laughs> like, you don't do this. We need your color. So mm -hmm. I see that the difference it makes, it helps and it's empowering, it's inspiring. Um, it gives people, like, especially for the younger clients that come in, they have something to look toward. They, I don't have to look one way. I can mm -hmm. show up to spaces as I am and still be a professional. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. my, my dress does not dictate my knowledge. And Ooh. my skill set, it just doesn't. Now that'll preach. My dress does not oh. dictate my knowledge. I'm going to need y'all to rewind that and hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think it's really interesting because I've always um, really had, I hate suits. I hate dressing up. Um, one, because I think it's very restricting and I move a lot when I present or talk or teach or anything. Um, but also I think there's this sense of exclusionism that happens because you're like, you're saying I'm dressed this way. You should listen to me. And it's sort of like, you know, it's like you, it's like, it's less about what I'm wearing and more about what I'm saying. Um, and so it's hard for me to get into it. So I, it's funny, people make jokes because like my, the picture that I often use is like, I wear the same shirt pretty often. And so like that headshot they'll see in the, <laughs> in the presentation, I'm wearing the Larry, blue shirt that I <laughs> because I just wear it all the time. Cause it's just like one of those shirts that I I'm comfortable in. Um, but I don't wear a suit jacket. I hate suit jackets and only wear them if I have to, because I'm in a new situation or something like that. But I don't know. It's hard for me to feel like I can push boundaries um, like I want to push boundaries with style, but I don't really know how, like that sort of how to explore what fits my sort of fashion and style, but still pushes the boundaries that I want to push because I have sort of uh, a focus on simplicity and, and not plainness, but like, um, earthy colors, obviously, or something like that. That's what I'm drawn to. Um, but I don't really know how to push that and, and say like, no, this is me. Um, you know, other than just the fact that I show up as a professor in flannel and chacos, which is some ways pushing it, um, but it's also somewhat out of convenience and comfort um, more than anything. Um, so you just, just kind of, you already, you already described it. You, what I'm hearing is, is that you like a more minimalist approach approach to your style and you like comfort you just start there what's comfortable and what are the muted colors that you like that's mm -hmm. where you start go go with yeah. that and when you say pushing boundaries if you just kind of like why why does it have to be a push you know well I'm an eight on the Enneagram so that's why but <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like, I, I think I, I'm someone who always wants to challenge people. I want them to think differently and, and I want to show up to the classroom in that way. And, and sometimes I think, especially for like queer students who see me in the classroom, like, I don't want to be that straight acting or whatever sort of queer yeah. man. Like, I want them to be able to connect with my queerness just through my doing and being in that classroom, which I do in other ways. But at the same time, like, 
you know, I've, I've thought about like painting my fingernails and, and that sort of thing, but how to do that in a way that matches my style without sort of pushing my own comfort level is always like an interesting exploration. Um, is also just like, am I comfortable even doing that? <laughs> mm. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. This is about your comfortability, like mentally. Mm-hmm. Like you're not yeah. all there yet. So what are the barriers and the blocks from painting your fingernails? I love how much of a counselor you are. <laughs> <laughs> you really are just like reflecting back things that I say. And I'm like, oh my gosh, really? I am. What is my issue? <laughs> what is the what is the block you because there's a you said that you like to you want you want to push, but then you're not pushing. You're you are mm-hmm. you are being as muted as the colors that you like. <laughs> like mm-hmm. but but it's like, but you, but straight to my soul. <laughs> what is that about? Like, what's holding yeah. you up? Well, it's one that I, I don't necessarily like super bright colors or anything, like to a certain extent. Um, but it's also like, it is practicality and, and comfort. But um, it's, I think there's a little bit of also challenging the other direction of like, not every queer person is a fashionista, not every. Like, you know, man wants to come in and, and, you know, think about fashion and that sort of thing, which I don't like, that's not my forte to a certain extent, but um, it does play into how I show up. And it's like, as you're trying to show up for others in a classroom or for others in a conference, like sometimes I've really thought like, I don't want to wear a jacket at a conference. And so I don't, and I don't have a, I have a lot of privilege in that I can do some of that challenging, but I know other professors who've like shown up in like uh, soccer jerseys, you know? Oh. <laughs> and it's like to make a point. Yeah. No, I think uh, the, the only way I've sort of pushed, I guess the, the dress code boundary um that you know these artificial dress codes professors have at a conference is when we had the society for the study of occupation conference in minneapolis ryan i don't know if you remember this but i i did have on a blazer but i was wearing jeans mm. you know and you, yeah that that was a faux call like is she really about to, that Kalia. yeah you know do her presentation with some jeans on and the blazer had flowers on it too um so <laughs> yeah no no navy blue black or gray over here um but it the other thing was when we had our conference in um, Arizona, first of all, it was like a hundred degrees. And so I, I had a sleeveless dress <laughs> that, that was in my suitcase. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to wear this because it's, it's hot as hell outside. Um, and the air <laughs> condition is not that great <laughs> in some of these um, conference rooms that we have. Um, and actually we had some attendees from the UK that was like, oh my God, like, thank you for wearing what you wore. She's mm-hmm. like one. She was like, if other people around here have tattoos, you wouldn't know it because they always have them covered. She's like, but you look comfortable, but also polished. And I was just like, did she just give me a backhanded compliment? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, she wasn't expecting for me to look this way, but I, I still, you know, received it um, positively in that, you know, it it presented another idea of how people could, you know, look the part right and still be professional and you know intellectual or whatever um so so yeah but I think there there still is this um idea of like what does 
a professor look like, right? Or what does a professional look like in these settings? And, you know, if you Google it, like, I'm not trying to look like any of those folks, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I think it's my duty, especially as a therapist, a mental health therapist, it's my duty to show up as I am. Because again, that if I'm comfortable, because the first, the, the number one rule of thumb in getting dressed is to be comfortable. If I'm comfortable and relaxed, I am setting the precedence for my client. I'm modeling. Mm. I'm modeling what confidence looks like, what comfort looks like, and being just secure in my skin. That is mm-hmm. important. That is, I understand the importance of me being me and, and my impact on my environment. That's why it is, it ha- is hella important for me to always be in the space of understanding my style and representing that the best way I can. Yeah, it's just not clothes that you put on your body. It's an extension of your identity and and personhood that you bring into the situation. That's so powerful. I'm like rethinking all of my relationship to clothes. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's an evolutionary process, right? This just didn't, I didn't just get like this overnight. Like this was a process. This is a process that's been in the making since I was a kid, Mm. especially like high school. This is like, I remember going through the phase where the professional phase right out of college. And I was, I I transitioned from like wearing sneakers. And then I was like, oh, I have to wear heels because I was looking at the women around me, Mm -hmm. black women Mm -hmm. in particular. Oh, I'm supposed to look like that. That is what a professional looks. I need to be more adult. Then I went through that mm. phase and then going out in the club and the requirement of the heels. And, and then it was a, it was a, a mess. It was hell. I'm like, why, when I look back, why was I doing that? Because I felt that that's what I was supposed to do. Mm. Yeah. The, the expectation. Yeah. I wasn't establishing autonomy in my style, but you know, that's part of the process as I evolved and, and became more comfortable with myself, I, I reclaimed and or claimed what I wanted to look like and how I wanted to present in the world. And I had to realize, I don't know, I don't have to look like that. Then I went mm. to the phase also, okay, I need to dress like this to attract the man. So I was doing all these things for the professional gaze, the male gaze, the girl gaze, whatever, whoever is gaze. And it's ridiculous. And I mm-hmm. was not being authentic to my sensibility. Well, I can't say I wasn't being inauthentic because I was, again, learning myself. So the style was growing as I grew. So mm-hmm. I didn't know myself totally. Yeah. So, Were there like a formative moment or experience that really sort of you felt like you arrived at yourself, at your style? Um, I think it, it goes back to the heels thing. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> this is so dumb. Like, this is so uncomfortable. Like, why am I? I mean, this is not, I like the way heels look, they're beautiful. They're just not stilettos and all that. I wear some types of heel, but stilettos and stuff, it's not for me. What am I doing? I'm going against myself. I don't mm. value this. I don't value being uncomfortable. Yeah, the, the stiletto <laughs> lover in me is, is, is crying a little bit because <laughs> I love a heel. Can't wear them all day, you know, but I-, I You wear them like, well. Yes. Like I got you. on my foot. I was like, this is dumb for me. Like I was clopping around in heels at work and in the club and everywhere else. And it was just like this, it was exhausting. 
And I was just like, what am I doing? I actually like, I like loafers, brogues and, and, and boots and sneakers. Like, okay, I need to just kind of go in that direction. Mm-hmm. I will say I love a heel. I will wear a heel all day long. <laughs> I have I have taught in heels in class um it was particularly about gender and dress in the classroom but I I think like for me there's a confidence boost in wearing really tall heels as a man and also just being able to work them um like I love working a pair of heels and using those in like a space to create sort of a persona and I don't know I, I wish that I was more comfortable to actually actually wear heels and in, in maybe like a maybe I'll do a presentation or something in heels at some point, but to more regularly just like have it as part of my fashion. Um, I good luck finding heels my size often, but you know. <laughs> now West, I don't know what your size is, but now West has larger heels. They do. They're like oh, okay. Check out now. writing that down. Yeah. I'll say so. You and I need to do some heel shopping together. Like I said, I yeah. love to look at heels. But as a matter of fact, I was looking at some heels the other day. I was like, I should I haven't had purchased any. This is some these are daring. I could wear this somewhere and get away with it maybe once a year. It's a beautiful heel. Like they're so beautiful. I, <laughs> I got rid of so many. That's another thing that happened with me. I would buy a heel because that that's what I, that was my thing and wear it one time. Mm. Twice. I was like, this is a waste of money. I get more bang for my buck if I just purchase the shoes that I like that are comfortable. This is getting ridiculous because I'm just waiting. Just heels sitting around for years. Mm-hmm. I like the way mm-hmm. they look. I do that. You feel like it's a it's a it's a different level of a boost. You're walking around your legs. It gives your legs a a pow. They're beautiful, but yeah, that was the first thing. And again, it went back to what is my intention? I'm doing this for okay. I'm trying to attract x y and z that's not cool yeah if i was just wearing the heel because for me that's cool but like okay i'm gonna just suffer so i can please or i think i'm pleasing others Mm -hmm. and the person Mm -hmm. that i need to be pleased with or please is myself yeah you know i even in my own personal dress i had hadn't given much thought to wearing sneakers with my skirts and my dresses until i met you um, and just seeing that reflected on your Instagram account, I'm just like, why, why haven't I considered wearing sneakers with dresses? And so I don't consider myself a sneakerhead at all. Um, but at least finding some that I was like, okay, these have a pattern or a color that is neutral enough that I can wear with more things. And so now like Golden Goose is one of my favorite brands I, I purchased them from Roan in Richmond um in Carytown all the time and um like I, I love a sneaker with with a dress now Go love to it Houston, like they have they have a, that style of a sneaker is really good with dresses and skirts too okay yeah. okay a good style sneaker for those things if mm-hmm. you are I call it I would have to say I would call you a, a beginner sneaker wear <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I often hear Kalia get called a beginner at anything. (laughs) Because so when, okay, so with beginner sneaker wears, there are some sneakers that I would, I recommend as far as safe, like to transition into buying more sneakers, maybe like a a Golden Goose or um, a Cortez, a Chuck Taylor, a Stan Smith, something that's like, because you don't want to do too much with the design and the pattern. It could be overwhelming Mm -hmm. if you're not Mm -hmm. like 
sure of how it's going to look on your foot with the clothes that you have. So that's yeah. what we're going to do. Yeah, I do have a pair of Cortez too. So I, know. I, just, I just need to get more, more colors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like to transition into like buying sneakers, I would say like start off with those things just to get you a little bit more comfortable. And of course you have yeah. your separate workout sneakers or whatever, but. Yeah, thank so, you for that tip. I love <laughs> that. <laughs> so Mecca, I guess my question is how do you bring this into your work? I mean, you mentioned that you use it sort of in the mental health work and mental health setting. How does fashion and style become a tool for you in, in your practice? Well, um, sometimes I'll have discussions with depends on the situation with patients in reference to they having body image issues. Um, some patients will tell me straight up they're having they're stuck with their style. They want to they have the block where they want to wear more colors and patterns, but just something is holding them up. So that's when we start discussion about expectations, the anxiety around it, worried about what people think instead of going mm. with what you feel. And so that's how those things come up. Also, I've had groups where I would have the patients do a mood board and they'll cut out images of what they would ideally want to look like. And then we'll have a discussion. Okay, what is stopping you from wearing these types of clothes? What's going on? And a lot of it has to do with body image. Across, mm -hmm. That's what I see across the board, body image and anxiety about what others will think. So people get stuck in the rut of black, gray, blue, tan, but they may, they visualize themselves in something else. Yeah. But, no, some people, but some people getting dressed is overwhelming. Yeah. Because they have so many concerns and issues going on and not really knowing how to dress their body. A lot of people don't know how to dress their body. Hmm. And what an important first step to to be able to go out into the world and do other things you know and to to just feel comfortable and to know how to to do that first thing when you get out of bed in the morning could be to not feel comfortable doing that and feel overwhelmed would be such a a challenge to to wake up to <laughs> yeah like one more thing i have to worry about. and so that's how people get stuck in the repetitive same type of clothes Mm -hmm. the yoga pants or the legging because that's what I don't like I don't even I I'm overwhelmed with life whatever else is going on and this is the last thing I want to think about yeah it's sort of making me think about like our own work in occupational therapy and how like how often maybe is the the issue with our client is something related to what you're describing it's some anxiety around sort of like um body awareness or or, or perception of other bodies but as OTs, we're sort of processing it as something else, <laughs> you know, some uh, issue with initiation or sequencing when the, that's not the real issue. Um, and I'm just wondering how, just it could be even in my own practice, maybe I've been, you know, it could be part, uh, of, part of it though. Yeah. It could be mm -hmm. part of the issue, but it could start with the other fears and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it could the, the anxiety can impact the initiation and the, the processing of how the how to people get stuck. Yeah. That's the importance of interdisciplinary teamwork. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm thinking yeah. how many rehabilitation teams have I been on where a counselor or anyone was not involved in the process and 
mm. how we may have actually been doing more harm than good um, mm-hmm. in our in our therapy when you know we're not trained to necessarily recognize those sorts of things and, and what we're doing. Um, and oh the, gosh. <laughs> and another thing, the reality of when you talk about style, we all have to get dressed. Mm-hmm. So why not make the best of it? Why not? <laughs> it's, it's it's art. Yeah. Mm. However, yeah. whatever your thought process is in reference to your style, that is an art. How you how you decide to curate yourself, your body for the day. I love that framing. You know that it's art, and you're curating your body for the day. Literal art. Mm-hmm. If we mm-hmm. Imagine if people looked at it as such. The things that we could do, how where our imagination can go, and not get stuck in what the respectability politics of what I'm supposed <sighs> to look like. Right, right. You know, I can admit that I'm I'm guilty of playing into respectability politics. Right, I think it's um, probably something that that any person of color can't avoid <laughs> um, in some of these spaces that we have to exist. But showing up um, unapologetically um, and artistically, um, myself um, is liberating. And you in, in a, a South, way, right? You're in the South. So it is extra important for you to continue to show up as you are. That's another thing. Not only like just being a black woman, but the you're from the South, you live in the South. That's a whole other context. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about respectability politics and our upbringing, and I don't want to speak for you, but I'll just give a generalization of the black experience when it comes to think about like, what our parents had told you, you know, wear your pantyhose and this is what you're supposed to look like when you go to church. And this is what you're supposed to look like at the job interview. Don't wear your hair like that. Don't do this, that, and the other. So mm-hmm. we've been conditioned and it's based upon what our parents knew from a white gaze. Mm-hmm. It come from mm-hmm. a, a time where they could not afford to, they had to present themselves in a certain way in order to gain respect. So they thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, they come from that era or their parents come from that era and it's just been kind of passed down. Right. So that's another reason why I am hell bit on showing up as I am because I knew a time when my uh, ancestors couldn't. Right. They didn't right. have, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they, they couldn't, whether they didn't have the means to, or they felt that they couldn't be respected in this world. Right. So. Yeah, no, thank you for mentioning that. Um, Cause I know like professionalism, right. I sort of touched on it earlier, but all of it is sort of like couched in the white gaze, right? Like what, what, what whiteness says is appropriate for this place and this time um, and trying, trying to fit that. Yeah, as well as cause... the patriarchy in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> a dress code is about the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk to us about spill the tea on the dress code. Why do you hate it so much? I hate it so much. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. In all fairness, you know, you have to have some boundaries with, of course, again, I'm not going to come to work as a, as a therapist um, or, or practitioner in booty shorts. So <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to do that. That's in my opinion, it's inappropriate, or I'm gonna come like with a bikini top. I'm not gonna do that, right? So there has to be some boundaries, but a lot of the things with dress codes, like, oh, not wearing, you can't wear sneakers or jogging pants and things like that. It's constricting. Mm. I think it's constricting. I think that it's unnecessary. 
especially in the work that we do, we're working, we, again, at comfort, we need to show up as ourselves as comfort. And there's different ways, like I, like I, just because I'm wearing sweatpants, I mean, I'm looking like I came from the gym, there's elevated styles with that. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to wearing sweatpants, but it, that's, I also think dress codes are archaic. It's old information and it's, mm -hmm. it's not serving us. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in what you think of scrubs. <laughs> <laughs> scrubs are necessary for I mean, the doctors and nurses and they're comfortable. Like, well, if you want to wear them around the house, I mean, it's not my thing. <laughs> Too basic for me, but they look comfortable. But I mean, you have to wear them in certain settings. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because in certain places, I mean, like, certain scrubs or certain colors even like you don't even have the freedom to have certain patterns or um, add additional sort of character to your scrubs because all rehab specialists wear green or um, mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing and so it's interesting though because it's so limiting to how you can bring yourself to the therapeutic relationship which is something I've never really thought about until you said it so mm -hmm. um, it's limiting in more ways than just it what is. you're wearing it's, it's it, yeah it, it's constricting it's constricting mm -hmm. to a person it takes a, it takes away autonomy mm. if i'm i have to dre get dressed within this conf the confines of this your box because you have a dress code right it, like you're that's what you're worried about today whether i had on sneakers on a monday this is stupid Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is it's ridiculous it's, it's control it's about control too mm. yeah we're trying to like well i know in my world part of the work is is trying we teach people that when you try to control things outside of yourself your life is more out of control it's an illusion so all you can do is control you but that goes against dress codes go against goes against what we even the work that we're doing mm. now I'm, I'm thinking about every dress code i've ever had to <laughs> abide by it you know um, at school at work and... oh, it's yeah. funny i actually i went to a catholic private school very small in west virginia it wasn't anything super fancy but we had to wear uniforms and i didn't really know how to dress myself when i went to a public high school and i had to sort of go through this process of like one buying clothes but to also buying the worst clothes possible <laughs> and putting them on. And then like, it was this growing process of coming into my own like style to a certain extent, but it was also very mimicking of what everyone else was doing. Um, and I don't, I don't know that I've ever really taken the time to sit and, and find that style, um, you know, and, and sit with myself and, and play in, in the different colors or things like that. So it's just interesting to hear how powerful that can be and that we can offer that to the people that we work with and even our students and, and that sort of thing. It's powerful mm -hmm. out in the world, you know, like the people I meet because of my style, the conversations that I have because of my style, the smiles I put on people's faces because they see me, especially mm -hmm. during the pandemic when I was out and about and people would stop and say you know you just brighten up my day I love that dress so I love that coat or whatever the case is it matters mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm not like that's not my intention I'm gonna hey I'm gonna go out and dazzle the world today <laughs> but that's not that's not what I think 
But if I can contribute to putting a smile on someone's face for five seconds, I'm with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, even if you don't like what I have on, it's going to make you think. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're paying attention. It's evoking some type of something. Yeah. No, you're, the, you're right. That's the difference for me. Cause also something I've thought a lot about is like the materialism and people are all often like, oh, you're buying so much or that sort of thing when you talk about fashion and style, but the intentionality behind the wardrobe and behind the style is what's so important. And it's, it's not how much you have, but it's what you have in the sense that not even like which expensive brand you have, but you know, the, the decisions that you make to create this art on your body. And that's just not something I don't think I've ever really conceptualized it that way. It's like blowing my mind right now. <laughs> yeah. You think that's maybe why you were kind of like, I'm not going to be bothered with this because maybe you looked at style as fashion. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe like, you had, I don't know if you had like a more of an anti-establishment. Maybe you look at that stuff as part of the establishment. Like, I'm yeah. Not- so now you have something else to think about. It's not mm-hmm. just the labels. It's about like, okay, how do we take what we have and rework it on our body? Mm. How, do, how can I wear this hat with differently? How can I, what else could I wear these shoes with instead of the same thing over and over again? That's where mm-hmm. the art comes in. You're painting mm-hmm. a picture, essentially. But the cool yeah. thing is you get to paint it different ways every time. Mm-hmm. I love that. But Ryan, you, you actually touched on something that I'm, I'm going to shift us a little bit um, around fashion and this idea that it's only fashionable, right? If it come, if it's a certain label um, or has a particular monetary value to it. And, you know, I just want to like make it clear to folks that luxury doesn't equal fashion, right? And the more it costs, doesn't make it no. um, more fashionable, you know? Um yeah, there are these established fashion houses that have been around for a long time, but, you know, Target can be luxe too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all in what you um, do with the garment or your, your accessories, you know, it's not about, you know, is this Gucci or is it Dolce? Is it Finnewell for that matter? Um, but, but what you um, as an individual doing to express your own, selves um through those garments yeah and and questioning okay do i like the garment because it has the label or do i truly like this garment does this garment speak to me and my sensibilities mm-hmm. other thing to ask yourself or am i just mm-hmm. trying to have it because everyone that's another thing the trend of i'm gonna get this gucci belt for instance because everyone else has it or do i just like this belt or right. am, I, am i a belt person if I'm not even a belt person, why do I even have this belt? I don't have anybody else's belt. I don't even have a regular belt. So now I'm going to go out and get belt. You know, those types of things. Yeah, yeah. So that's, the- that's another thing you want to get into um, being careful with the line of, am I, utilize, am I u- utilizing the, the, the fashion to prove for my self-worth and validation? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I wear the clothes, the clothes don't wear me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So speaking of keep keeping up, right? Like, what are your thoughts on fast fashion? Because I think fast fashion has sort of 
created this need to have a, a particular trend or look all the time. And so folks are literally buying almost entire collections of clothes every few months. Um, I, I think of about Mango, Zara, H&M, um, places like that, that are offering something different to their customers all the time. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Is fast fashion offering something different or they're making, they're taking what's on the runway and making it, replicating and making it more accessible? Is That's what it appears some of the fast fashion brands are doing. Like Zara. Mm-hmm. They're good, like mm-hmm. they tend to um, imitate some of what's going on, on the runway and making it where it's affordable. Um, what are my thoughts on fast fashion? <laughs> I mean, it plays its part in the ecosystem. I'm not mad at it. I know like that's not the thing to say, the on-trend thing to say is, oh, it sucks and you need to all go to the thrift store or go made in America. And But the reality is some people can't afford that. So that's why I say mm. it plays its part in the ecosystem. It makes it accessible for people to have looks that they want that may imitate what they see on the runway or wherever, or to be in trend for the moment. And I'm I'm not mad at it. The only thing is being careful with fast fashion with the quality. All fast, mm-hmm. all fast fashion not made equal. Some, some <laughs> it's not. Some brands I'm just I don't fool with this anymore because I've had too many issues with it. But if you know fast fashion also is good for. It, why do I want to pay thirty dollars for a t a basic white tank? When I can go to Zara, for instance, and go get it for five or H and M and get it for five ninety nine, I just need a white tank. Yeah, no, I agree. So, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people are like, we're in a, a time and era where everything's getting canceled and everybody's mad at everything. No, I'm not. It plays its part in the ecosystem. Right. I, I know people do battle with that ten- those tensions between affordability, but also being environmentally conscious. But you're right. You know, you have to consider what the the I guess reality of economics are around the world and what people can afford and what they cannot um but ultimately it's also up to the comp the companies to be um environmentally responsible right we're fiscally responsible on our end <laughs> but you know, with any of these companies they can tell us anything they can say oh this was made blah 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 and we went to the factory they could tell us they just put a <laughs> statement out there we don't know what any of these people are doing unless that you ask true. people Mm-hmm. Let's do an investigation. Unless we're going to go out and do an investigation or get a job at these companies, we really don't know. They can tell us anything. That's true. That's I will true, say so. that there are independent organizations out there that do monitor clothing making, like the Workers' Rights Consortium, okay. specifically that manages like university branding. Um, I got Xavier University to join that consortium when I was there. Um, But yeah, so I think that there are ways we can support, you know, these brands that to essentially hold them accountable um, as consumers more than just voting with our dollar. If that's what we need to buy, then that's what we need to buy. But there are sort of accountability organizations out there trying to go and monitor the workshops and and prevent sweatshops from happening and that sort of thing. Um, But it's also accessibility, you know, and, and people's affordability of what they can and cannot purchase in in the the way that they need to dress themselves <laughs> mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I mean the companies that I think stand out to me the most and 
I, I, for the most part, don't even look at sort of what their, um, like environmental commitments are. I'll be honest and say that, but it's, you know, who are they making their clothes for? You know, is it for only one body type Um, or one aesthetic? You know, do they offer things that are accessible for people with disabilities? Like those are the companies I want to support. Um, Those that, you know, push the boundaries and say like, you know, dress has no sex or gender. Um, You know, that's safe now. A lot of them are going into the, the gender neutral sector Mm -hmm. notice Mm -hmm. that oh yeah oh yeah um and I and I hope some of this is is real commitment to um (laughs) to the and I know some of this is you know it's it's in vogue um to be um in in the gender neutral um race I think for some for some companies but yeah, you're right. Like you're gen- right. gender neutrality is also, you know, on trend. <laughs> well, you know, they they did they the 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 trend was the plus size movement. They they got on. Well, I don't. Bizarro is are they on board? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, I, I I think they sort of did it a backhanded way, right? Because it used to be that I would have to buy large and extra large, and the last couple pieces that I bought were small. So they did something. <laughs> Uh, what do you mean you mean that they 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 were too small um the clothes got too big so I had to start buying smaller sizes so I think without maybe advertising plus size they just altered what the range of sizing was for folks Um, having the opposite experience I've ordered stuff that I feel is a little too snug which is not my experience with Zara usually oh that's interesting so obviously they have have some inconsistency yeah I have to be careful with that (laughs) Um, but the other brands like, you know, ASOS and Boohoo, and I think they really got on board. What's the other one that everybody, all the celebrities endorse? I um, feel like I'm Fashion Nova. Fashion Nova, Nova yeah. 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 <laughs> they got on the plus size movement and they're into gender neutral. I don't know what's going to be next, but overall, I think they just played a part. Because think about it. I mean, they're employing people. Well, what happen if you just, hey, we're going to get rid of all the fast fashion? That's a lot of brands. Mm. A lot of the economy is not good for the economy. Mm. A lot of people. Well, it's interesting, also, like in thinking about like what's in vogue and, and that sort of thing. In the in the queer community, we talk about this a lot with pride parades and just sort of companies coming in and you know putting the the rainbow flag on their logo everywhere. for a while, and mm-hmm. it's everywhere. And and to there's this big debate and just like you know gender neutrality might be in vogue right now but it's in response to a, a big movement of acceptance of gender neutral people in a lot of ways and so it's like supply and demand a little bit but it's also like don't co-opt this movement to make right. money off of it but at the same time it's like yeah please do so that it's more mainstream <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. you know and so it's like trying to figure out the balance of how do you allow fashion to do what it does but also hold it accountable for not being a horrible <laughs> industry that is taking advantage of people and sometimes appropriating like patterns and cultures and and those sorts of things without giving credit and and money back to the people that originally created that that work and that sort of thing so I don't know I just it's a whole complex thing it's a real problem (laughs) when you're talking about the industry I try to look at who the who do they have are the models do the models represent diversity do you Mm. have trans models do you have 
models of color do you have plus that like what is the does your models reflect the customers because mm-hmm. years ago it didn't yeah it just didn't so i think it's moving forward it's it is and it is in response to what's been going on in the world but like you're right just hopefully it's not fake mm-hmm. not for now yeah. so mecca what three pieces of advice would you offer to someone who um, works in a professionally like restrictive space? Um, one where, you know, they sort of have a unspoken dress code or a sort of particular uniform that people all show up a certain way. Like what three things would you tell them to consider um, to show up to work authentically? Okay, so, you know, know your dress code policy. For instance, the, the general dress code policy maybe is casual day on Friday. Casual and dress code policy usually means jeans and maybe a sneaker, that type of thing, right? You can lose the suits and the button down. That's what Friday <laughs> casual usually means. So for the rest of the week, first, okay, identify what do you like to wear? What are you most comfortable in? Okay, if you're most comfortable in like slacks or um, khakis, okay, kind of go with that during the rest of the week. Think about shoes. All right, what shoes do you like? What Look at your work environment. Do you have to walk around a lot? Are you at the desk a lot? Consider those things. What colors do you like? Think about if you like prints or stripes or more neutral colors. Consider all those things and just kind of fit it gradually in your wardrobe and figure out what works for you and how come the first rule of thumb is comfort. Mm. Because if you're not comfortable, it's gonna show. You'll be tugging at your clothes the entire day and you're distracted. But figuring yeah. out ways, how can I, how can I, and I, cause I do this every day. I follow the dress code, right? But I incorporate my own personal style within those restraints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the whole Friday casual Friday thing is so interesting because I'm like if I can do my work well on Friday in casual wear why can't I just do it the rest of the week as well like what's the That's special whole, thing about Friday that, that is my whole <laughs> point about a dress code it's ridiculous mm-hmm. absolutely ridiculous yeah it's yes. about control now now staff you have this one day look what we did for you <laughs> like I said earlier my style does not dictate my skill set and my education so Mm -hmm. because I have on jeans I'm going to be less productive yeah (laughs) well I have to just thank you for all of this and this whole conversation because I think one it's made me reevaluate my relationship to to close, and I feel like I should start calling them garments now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But also just really connecting it to work and practice and how it really relates to your understanding of yourself as a therapist and and a support system and as a professional has just been really revealing and helpful to think about as as a, a younger career person who wants to show up to work authentically. Um, you've just really given me a lot to think about and I really appreciate your your perspective in a lot of ways. You're welcome. Oh, I do have something else to say as far as tips, as far as the dress code thing. Also, yeah, please share. 
as if you struggle with this, also look at maybe like social media and magazines and maybe some some you know people that you like their style and kind of draw from there and kind of create a mood board. This is what I would like to look like. What do I want to say when I show up to work? What what um what are my intentions for the day? Those things are things that consider to incorporate in your style when it's more of a constrictive dress code. Mm-hmm. So then you you are not as mad about the dress code because I'm still able to show up as myself. I feel comfortable and I can do my job effectively. Mm-hmm. And I don't look like everyone else. Right. <laughs> Important. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you so You're much welcome. for um, this conversation. I echo everything um, Ryan said about giving us new ways to think about fashion as um as a, a tool for us to, to connect with our clients, but also um, ways that we connect with um, other folks just in the world um, and these special considerations about comfort and, and the aesthetics and really making sure it ties to who we are and setting intention and what we want um, for the day. So it helps you connect with self too. Yes, connecting mm. to self. Yes. It's an it's a, it's a, it's a inside out process. Mm. Yes, yes. Oh my goodness. I feel like we're going to need a part two um, for this. I would yeah. love this again. This is like such my lane. Like, this is all the whole I just, I'm loving it. Thank yeah. y'all. Thank y'all. Yeah, no, me. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so it's- where can I go? I need to um, subscribe. Apple. <laughs> well, um, everybody, you can you can follow you can follow Dr. Thoughts on Instagram okay. Um, okay. Uh, at Dr. Thoughts. That's uh, the the O is with the zero because you know Instagram they censor thoughts um, underscore podcast. But what I want our listeners to do is to follow you, Mecca Yay. at Mecca Presents, and that's Mecca M E C C A. And get your inspiration on, y'all. Because when I when I say she helped me elevate my fashion, because um, I already feel like I had a pretty decent yeah, um, personal style, but Me- Mecca took me to a whole nother level. So. Thank you, Talia. <laughs> oh That's an honor. I'm always shocked when I hear this. Oh, I don't know why, because it's so I, true. <laughs> so shocking. I, I, I don't, uh, all, it's always shocking. I'm never like, yeah, like, I know. <laughs> I can imagine. No, like I'm always like, oh my gosh. And it's especially coming from you because I love your style so much. So it's oh, like, well, well oh thank God. you. That means a lot coming from you. It absolutely does. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> All right. So y'all stop what you're doing right now and go follow Mecca Presents on Instagram. And till next time, y'all keep it cute and keep it thoughtin'. Let's nice meet you, Ryan. <laughs> Bye, Kalia. Bye. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs>